I uh, want to get a little sidetracked here today from Hebrews. I want to kind of ramble a little bit. Because I've had a, a lot of things on my mind lately. And um, it's interesting watching the Lord work and doing wonderful things. And uh, I know in life we often say, you know, somebody calls on the phone. Is it good news or bad news? Well, it's usually just news. And you're the one that determines whether it's good or bad. But you could misunderstand the news. That is fake news. You might believe something that ain't true. But whether it's good news or bad news, a lot depends upon the attitude that you have. Because some things that we think that are bad could really be good. And some things we think that are good could be bad. But I want us to take a look at some of these things in the scriptures. I want you to take your Bible, look in 1 Corinthians and chapter 15. 1 Corinthians and chapter 15. Now, we talked a lot about this in the uh, services last Sunday. But there's a verse that I, I didn't cover. And uh, quite a few verses in chapter 15 that I did not cover. But I want you to look at verse 57. Verse 57. And notice there is a wonderful statement made in this verse. Sometimes we think we're out here fighting these battles. Oh boy, we got battles to fight. And we hope that we win all these battles. But you know, there is a battle that has been fought. And the victory has been won and then put to our account. See, when Jesus came into the world, he lived a perfect life. So he fought the battle against the devil. He fought the battle against temptations and all the wicked people, the sins of everybody. And still maintained his good and proper testimony. He did right under all circumstances. Well, his victory of never having sinned and then going to the cross and dying to pay for our sins. Then being buried and coming back from the dead, uh, that was a great victory. And by us accepting Christ, we get his victory put to our account. As though I actually lived that perfect life. Like I did it, but I didn't do a thing. It's a victory that's put to our account as though we did it. So we have overcome the world. And that's why you'll find that phrase mentioned quite. Because what Christ did as he overcame and I believe he did it for me. Not just that he, you know, died and paid for my sins and that payment was put to my account. I believe everything Christ did, he put to my account. As though I, I did all of these things and I haven't done a thing. And that's grace. And yet we live a, a sinful life, a rebellious life. And we know sin is rebellion and we have this problem. But look what he says in verse 57. Verse 57, but thanks be to God, which giveth us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. Alive or dead, we have victory in Christ. That means that there has to be something that was won. There had to be a battle that was fought. Because how can you have a victory without some kind of a skirmish? There's got to be a problem. And so I believe that there's things mentioned in Scripture that helps us to understand Jesus Christ came back from the dead, and so 1 Corinthians 15 is a resurrection chapter. So there was great victory in what he accomplished for us. Then he makes a statement, verse 58, 
because of this victory and because of Christ coming back from the dead, we ought to serve the Lord with all our hearts. So he says in verse 58, Therefore, my beloved brethren, be ye steadfast. Why? Because we've already got victory. Unmovable. Why? Because we have victory. Always abounded in the work of the Lord. Why? Because we win. We win. For as much as you know that your labor is not in vain in the Lord. Because we have victory. And the greatest victory of all is, of course, a payment made for our sins. And we get to go to heaven. And look how many people in the world still trying to fight the battle of the sinful nature, the temptations of all the world, and the devil, and knowing, we know, they can't win. Because anytime you're not accepting the victory Christ won for you, you're trying to win the victory on your own. And it's very frustrating because you lose. You lose, you lose. You try to gain this perfection and it's impossible. Striking out. And it says there's only victory in Jesus Christ. So I believe it's a good verse. Now I want you to take your Bible and turn to the book of Romans. The book of Romans and chapter 8. Now, chapter 5 tells us how we've been justified by faith. And then chapter 6 tells us that uh, don't let the sinful nature have dominion over our lives. In other words, don't let the sin nature, that old man, rule our lives. So you see... Don't be rebellious to the Lord. So chapter 7 tells you about this battle, the struggle you go through. And, and then in chapter 8, talks about the Holy Spirit who indwells us and how we can live a victorious Christian life. Now, those are easy words to say. Live that Christian life. And some people say, well, I tried it and I can't live that Christian life. Well... If you lean on the Lord and let him live through you, it's a lot easier than you thinking, I have got to win all my battles. Because of in my own strength, my own power, my own wisdom, my intellect, my skills, my talent, my abilities, you're going to come up short. You're going to miss the mark of really enjoying the Christian life. There's a lot of Christians just go through Christian life and they're just totally miserable all the time. That means that you're trusting in your good works to bring the victory instead of learning how to do, do what God says do and let him work and move. And you'd be surprised a different perspective will help you to understand you've had a lot more victories than you know. And you probably have had a lot more defeats than you know. Because everything that we do is not always victorious. With this old sinful nature, boy, we get deceived. Now, here in the book of Romans... In chapter 8, I want you to look at a verse. Many people, of course, always say, this is my favorite verse. And then they don't live like it's their favorite verse. Look what he says in verse 28. And we know that all things work together for good to them that love God, to them who are the called according to his purpose. Now, that, that's a good statement. That's, that's a great verse. But understanding all this is, is true, it's the Word of God, but what I want you to notice is those three little words, all things work. All things work. That means that Jesus told a story about a man who needed some labor, so he went to the marketplace and got some labors, and they worked in the morning. A couple hours later, he went back and got some more. Later in the afternoon, he went back, and there were still some standing around. They hadn't been given a job yet. 
He says, why stand you here idle? Why stand you here idle? In other words, you're not doing anything. But you see, it's because they didn't have a job. Nobody would hire them. And that was the answer they gave to Jesus. So when you read this and you see that all things work, that means everything in my life, whether I consider it to be good or bad, all things can work together. But everything has to work. We're to see that regardless of what we go through, all the pain, even suffering, and I'll tell you, it really pained me to see my wife suffer. I can't hardly stand that. When she got, for the last five months, she has gone through this pain because of diverticulitis. And just watching her hurt, buckling over, and there's nothing that I can do about it except pray. You think, okay, now, godly people shouldn't have to go through ungodly things. But that's not the way it is in the scripture. Christ even talks about us. He was an example of us to suffer. We have been called to suffer. I wish I could just take that one little word, suffer, and just take that out of the Bible. And um, just give me some good things. And the Lord lets us know that you'd be surprised how many of these things are good for you. Because it really puts a little pressure upon your faith. Do you really believe God? Then you really trust God? It's not so much that God has to heal to prove. It's that God wants to perfect something in our life that may have suffering is only the tool that can be used. Did you know that we're always being tested according to the integrity of our heart? Can we handle it? Can we expect God to give us the strength and the grace that we need to walk through whatever it might be that we have to go through? God will allow us to hurt. But what we pray to God for is not that just that we can take it, heal me, heal me. It may be God's will not to. We can't keep everybody alive. Lord, don't let my loved ones die. Is God going to honor that prayer? For how long? Because eventually you know that's a prayer request you're not going to win unless the rapture takes place. But if the Lord should tarry, every one of us have got to go by the way of the grave. And all of our prayers is not going to stop it. It may hinder it. And that's what we're looking for. How long can I get out of this? How much can I, you know, press into this life? And how much more can I get? How many more years can I? And so that's what we look at and what we go by. But I want you to see something. These words, all things. Now, we sometimes don't always understand clearly all these things. Because we look at some things as good and some things as bad. But the words of God used here is all things. Right? All things work together for good to those who love the Lord. Now, if you love the Lord, all things can work together for good. But if you don't love the Lord, you become the person that decides whether or not, is that good for me or is that bad for me? And when you're not right with the Lord, your discernment is not right. You will not see things correctly, not from a divine perspective. You'll see it from a human perspective. But there's a lot of things that happens in a Christian's life that can temper us, make us a lot better than we've ever been before. There's lessons that God wants us to learn because there's a lot of other people that need help. 
So God will allow some things to happen to godly people, not because of anything wrong they've done, but because he wants to show us how much further we need to go, how much richer our lives can be because of the pain and suffering that we go through in life. But now look at something else. When it says, all things work together for good to them who are the called according to his purpose. It's his purpose, not our purpose. Then when you look in verse 29, there's a few words that are mentioned here in verse 29 and 30, but I want to just read them real quick. For whom he did foreknow, he also did predestinate to be conformed to the image of his son. So that we're to believe that there's a good possibility. Yes, someday I'm going to be just like Christ. When we shall see him, we shall be like him, for we shall see him as he is. I'd someday, yeah, I'm going to be just like Christ. But until I get there, he wants to conform us into the image of his son. So all things are working together to make you like Christ. So that you live your life like Christ wants you to live. And then he gives us something else he says here that's very good. In verse 30, moreover, whom he did predestinate, whom them he also called, and whom he called, he also justified, and whom he justified, he glorified. Now, you see that these words that are mentioned here, these things were all given to us freely. When you trusted Christ as your Savior, you were justified. It didn't cost you anything. Also, as he says here, you've been justified, and one day you're going to be glorified. You're going to be in a perfect body with the Lord in heaven. And, and that's good. Now, the word sanctified here is not mentioned because uh, generally sanctification means how you're living your life from day to day. And that depends upon you walking with God. But all these things are so very important. So in verse 31, he says, what shall we say then to these things? All things work together for good to those who love the Lord. And it ain't over yet, and God has a lot of good things he wants to teach us. Now, take your Bible, look in 1 Corinthians. 1 Corinthians in chapter 1. 1 Corinthians chapter 1. Now, we don't always understand the ways of God, but that's why he revealed in his word those things that he wants us to understand. But he makes a statement here in 1 Corinthians in chapter 1. Look there in uh, verse 26. For ye see your calling, brethren, how that not many wise men after the flesh, not many mighty, not many noble are called. Didn't say none of them was called. It just said not many. But God hath chosen the foolish things of the world to confound the wise. And God hath chosen the weak things of the world to confound the things of which are mighty. And base things of the world and things which are despised have God chosen. Yea, and things which are not to bring to naught things that are. In other words, all these things, things, things. There's things that God will use to allow to happen in your life. But you see, he does it with different people under different circumstances. But all of us live under this pressure. God knows what each one of us need in our life. And God says all these things can work together for good to those who love the Lord. Because if you love the Lord, you know that God is good and God is watching over me. And God is allowing certain things to happen to me because he loves me. And evidently, this can help me grow stronger in the Lord and to make me more like Christ. In other words, you may walk around like you're a little Jesus, but you haven't been under pressure. 
you've got to be put under pressure. What do you do when you don't get your own way? How would you respond? What do you do when things go contrary to you? Do you keep a submissive spirit between you and God? Or do you get angry with God and bitter at God? So he made a couple statements here, and I want you to look at this. When he says here in verse 29, that no flesh should glory in his presence. In other words, God will humble you and I. Now, it's not so much he's trying to humiliate us, but he does want to humble us. In other words, to strip away our pride. Because that's one of the things that people love. They're prideful. And it's one of the things God says that he hates. And pride cometh before what? A fall. So people fall because of pride. And pride is from that old sinful nature that we have. So the middle letter in pride, what is that? Oh, it's an I. And generally, if you just keep that in mind, it uh, might help you. Now, look what he says in verse 30. But of him, Christ, are ye in Christ Jesus, who of God is made unto us wisdom and righteousness, sanctification and redemption. In other words, he is my redemption. He is my righteousness. He is my sanctification. He is my, he's my everything. Because I'm in him. I am victorious because I'm in Christ. One day when all of this life is over with and the old sinful nature is gone and we're all in heaven. Look what we got as an advantage just because we trusted Christ as Savior. Why am I in heaven? I'm in heaven. I got a brand new body. I got a brand new mansion on Hallelujah Avenue. And I can squash gold dust between my toes. And I can eat from the tree of life and everything is wonderful. Now what did I do to deserve all of that? Not by the grace of God. Because His victory was put to my account. And this has nothing to do with what I did for him. I get all of that for free. And that's why I said, if God has freely given to us all things, who's going to condemn you? If God says, I'm for you, and Jesus Christ says, well, I'm for you, and the Holy Spirit says, well, I'm for you, does it matter what man may say if God is for me? Now, it's easy preaching and hard to put sometimes into life some of the things because... Some things we look at in life and they're not very good. It seems like they're very bad. And sometimes I expect this and reality came in here and I got all of this despair because I didn't get what I wanted. I didn't get to do what I wanted. I can go where I wanted. I'm not what I have. I don't have what, all that I want. And so when we build that in. But if your will is whatever he says, whatever he wants, whatever he wants to do with me, then see, I don't have that problem. I don't have to worry about pride. I don't have to worry about God humbling me. All I got to do is, am I pleasing God? doesn't matter what I want to be or to do. It's whatever he wants. So then if God says, I need this, thank you, Lord. And God said, I'm going to hold this back from you. Thank you, Lord. And so you begin to think that if God loves me so much and has freely given me all things, what am I worried about that my Heavenly Father can't do something about? I just trust and accept whatever He has. And some of these things that I would say, oh, that's bad, that's bad, that's bad. God may say, you need a little of this and you need a little of that. Yes, Lord. But when you begin to defy God and go against God, you're always, and I am too, we fight against our wills. My will and His will are not always the same. 
If my will and desire is not the same as his, what should I do? Submit to his will. Because if you don't, sin hardens the heart. Now, look at this next verse. It's an awesome verse. He says in verse 30, But of him are you in Christ Jesus. And verse 31, That according as it is written, He that glorieth, let him glory in the Lord. And that's why that's important. Now, turn to chapter 3, 1 Corinthians in chapter 3. Look what he says here in verse 20. Verse 20, 1 Corinthians chapter 3. And again, the Lord knoweth the thoughts of the wise, that they are vain. And the verse right before it says he's talking about taking the wise in their own craftiness. In other words, you'd be surprised how many people are trying to outsmart God as though they can do and then win when it's against the will of God. So he says here in verse 20, the Lord knoweth the thought of the wise. Now look what he says in verse 21. Therefore, let no man glory in men. Now here's these two words. All things are yours. Now in other words, I don't have to get lifted up with pride. Let's say, for example, God gave to Dr. Paulson a particular gift. And he gave to Lynn another one. And he gave to him over here another one. And everybody got different gifts. And I got mine. And, man, I, I, I got shortchanged. I mean, I, I can't do what he does. And I can't do what he does. Man, I, I got, I, man, I messed up. He says, all things are yours. In other words, his gift is for me. And his gift is for me. And my gift is for you. And my gift is for you. You see, all of us can be given different gifts, but the reason he gave us different gifts is because different people are going to minister to us in a different way. What do you want to do? You want to hog them all? You want to be greedy? And then you don't use and appreciate what God has for you and what God's done for you. We all have a station in life. We've got different places. We live and minister and all. But if everybody's gift and everybody in the church... And he says, serve one another. What? According to your gift. So his gift was for me. My gift is for you. I've been told I have a gift of teaching and preaching. Well, who's it for? It's for you. And you may have a gift, different gift, and so you become a blessing to somebody else. But all of our gifts are for everybody. It's just God using different people to administer it. Does that make any sense? I hope it does. That's why he says up here in verse 21, Therefore let no man glory in men, for all things are yours. In other words, when you read chapter 3, and it talks about, you know, I am of Paul, I am of Apollos, I am of Cephas. In other words, they begin to pick and choose as though one is more important than the other. Every person in our ministry is important. Every person is important. Should the eye say to the nose, I don't need you. Should the nose say to the head, I don't need you? Okay, well, where would you put it? Aren't you glad that the eye didn't develop in the seat of your pants? Every time you sit down, you go blind. What would you say to your big toe? I don't need that big old toe. You know, it really helps you to balance yourself. Well, I got a knee. I don't need that knee. <laughs> I remember years ago, I heard a song, uh, a python or something was eating up somebody. Oh, my, he's up to my thigh or him up to my knee. And uh, 
I don't remember what happened to the guy. I guess he got, I guess he got ate up. But now look what he says here in verse 22. Whether Paul or Apollos or Cephas or the world or life or death or things present or things to come, all are yours. All are for your benefit. They're all for your benefit. I had those two words in there to help you to understand that verse just a little bit better. But the things that are going to happen, I would rather my wife not have to go through surgery. That's according to my will. But God didn't ask me. And she, as far as her health goes, man, she would watch everything she ate and did. I mean, she did everything as she knows to do that was right. And something went wrong. Now, God didn't know that, and so he was shocked when he found out. Now, God knows. And it's amazing how that there's things in your life and my life, we don't have to plan it. It's just that we decided we're committing ourselves to the Lord for him to use us any way he wants. Without us being crybabies, without whining, pining about it. And watch God work in our life to humble us, to realize, do I really love the Lord like I say I do? The only way you can be tested is, will you be found faithful doing what God wants you to do? Regardless of what happens, has nothing to do whether you like it or don't like it. It's an attitude you have. My God loves me and I can accept whatever happens in my life. I just pray that God gives me the strength and the grace to accept it cheerfully as unto the Lord and believing that whatever the outcome is in his hands. Now, when you develop that kind of an attitude, you can accept a lot of things a lot more readily than you can if... Everything goes wrong. Nothing's ever right in my life. That's attitude. That's a perspective on how you see things. Now look at the next verse. In verse 2, when he says, All are things present or things to come, all are yours or for your benefit. I like that verse. But it's a little verse. It's hidden away. Maybe you just read over it and don't dig a little nugget out of there. I look at every verse as though it's a, it's a cave. And I get my pick and shovel and I go digging in there. I'm going to try to find me a, you know, the mother load. A verse that really says a whole lot of good things for me. And so I, I love it that way. 